and welcome to Miles to Memories. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung and Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you today. We're going to debate resort fees, specifically what are they, why people hate them, and then what is the real solution? What should we do to fix the problem? Plus, Mark will talk about his recent credit card application spree, which has mixed results and will update you on that city fraud alert craziness. (laughs) It gets crazier, believe me. Also, we'll discuss North Korean money and how it's quirky, plus other quirky currencies we've come across, rapid fires, and more. If you like the show, please consider subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go for that. We're also in your favorite podcast app, so don't forget to tell a friend, leave us a review. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. What's up, uh, gentlemen? How was your week, Mark? Your voice is a little weak today. I know that you were out partying all weekend in Vegas. How was it? I think, uh, I think the voice just sounds extra sexy, right? Isn't that deeper, <laughs> deeper, sexier? If you say so. <laughs> Joe's like, my ears are bleeding right now from hearing it. But So uh, what's up? You win or lose? Break even. Um, okay. So I lost. I know you're supposed I to won- talk about this. I know you're supposed to talk about this on MTM Vegas, but sorry. I got I to. We didn't actually talk about there. gambling at all, so it fits right in. I was up the first night, and you know my, my biggest sin whenever I go somewhere that has a casino is I don't go to bed the first night. I'm up a little bit, and my buddy's like, all right, let's go to bed. Come on, it's, it's late. Let's go to bed. And then we walk to the elevator. He pushes the button. We go to get on, and he, I'm like, you know what? And I legit was not tired at all. And it was probably like 6 in the morning, my like Michigan time. But for whatever reason, I was not tired. I'm like, I'm going to go back down. I'm going to go back down. I'm not tired. Famous so that led into, <laughs> that led in, like, for like three Everybody hours. Everybody knows I, where the story is ending. <laughs> For three hours, I gambled, didn't lose anything. I just like floated around and then they switched dealers on me and it just went bad. So I ended up losing what I brought to gamble with. And that was that as they say it. But the next day he's like, you guys, I had him on the elevator. I had him right there. I almost had him. <laughs> and he knows you well. Like if he can't get you on the elevator and yeah. nobody can. So it there is. I, I should have got on, but whatever. It was, fun. you know what happens though, right? Like, yes, this time you lost and probably like, nine out of 10 times you lose, but one time the there's always one time in like 10 where you stay out way too late. Like you stay at the tables longer than you should, but then you go on a huge hot streak that makes you do it the next nine times. So, you know, I'm oh, yeah, sure, it's, I'm happened sure that's coming. it's happened a couple times. It's happened a couple times. There was one time I was down to like my last hundred dollars and it was middle of the night. And that, and when I left the table it was 5,000. So <laughs> it happens. And that's true. You like have it in your mind. Like, Oh, this is going to happen again. I'm in a good mood. Because usually I found whenever you're like at a table that's fun and you're having fun, you usually do well. So it was like that kind of momentum. We were all feeling having fun and then dealer changed and people changed and it wasn't fun and it just went downhill from there. So it is what it is. Expected. Good tease for MTM Vegas, because we did talk about everything about your trip, except for the gambling. So about Circus Legacy Club and your room and the pool cabana at Link and all your fun at uh, Cromwell. And yeah, did you see my baller room, Joe? Uh, No, I did not see it. I'm I'm saving it, you know. I'm saving saving the excitement for later. Well, well, next time you go on a boys trick, definitely um, check it out. It's pretty cool. It's a good setup and it's not expensive. I'll send it to you. Don't worry about it. All right, let's let's get into the show because we're going to talk resort fees because uh, I, I woke up this morning and got in a Twitter battle about resort fees that I did not expect uh, to get in. But I know in Vegas you spent, how much did you spend on, you had a second room at Link and how much was the resort fee on that room? Like $40? It was, it was like 47 bucks or something like that for 
a room that was going for like $60. So almost the same amount of, of the room because if you're a diamond, you only can get one room uh, with waived resort fees, which is a stupid rule. But yeah, so I got slammed with those, which stunk. It stung. But I knew they were coming. So I think that's the biggest thing. I'll make that point. I'll steal Sean's thunder. I think the biggest problem with resort fees is when people don't know that they're going to get hit with them. And there's sometimes that it is hidden and it's not on the checkout screen when you go to pay. And then when you go to check out, they're like, oh, by the way, you owe us another $120. And that will happen a lot when you're booking through, you know, like third party stuff. And that's where it really gets to you because you get upset about it. So let's yeah, back up to I wanted to talk a little bit more about resort fees. Because I think that people out there may be a little bit, they know what they are. They may be a little pissed about them. But where did they come from? Well, resort fees sort of started. I mean, they've been around for a while, but they really started becoming popular after the Great Recession. And especially in Las Vegas. And basically, they were a way to juice up revenues. And to maybe your point, Mark, they were a way to make the room more expensive than it initially looked when you were booking it. But one big kind of reason that they did it was to save on fees because a lot of the hotel chains, a lot of the hotels, when they have contracts with big OTAs, online travel agents like Expedia, they pay a percentage of the the room rate to those online travel agencies and resort fees aren't subject to that. So they basically found a way to separate out part of the room rate to a point where they were paying less commissions. And then they did it kind of with a ruse saying it's a resort fee, you're getting certain amenities for it. And it kind of started that way. And you're right, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, maybe even 2015 or 2018, these resort fees were not properly disclosed. I have not seen a website that doesn't properly disclose a resort fee in many years. I I just haven't, certainly not any of the major brands, certainly not any of the major travel agencies, but I still see people complain about them all the time. And, you know, I saw on Twitter, somebody talking about uh, Expedia, it was Richard Kerr relaying a, a story. He wasn't complaining about it. But then I went to Expedia and I'm like, okay, well, what does it look like? So I searched for a room and it does list the room rate without the resort fee, but right under it, it lists the total cost on the search screen, not the final booking on the initial search screen. And it makes me wonder, like, are people just at the point now where they've gotten to the point where they're just so happy to complain about resort fees, but they don't want to talk about what kind of solutions are better for people. And maybe we we need to move to that. But I mean, is it kind of like passe now to complain about resort fees? Is that just something everybody does or... Are they truly, are people truly being harmed? Are we still seeing a lack of disclosure? I mean, I, I think it's a little shady because I think the example that was online was, it was like for two nights and it was 140 per night and Expedia said 140 per night, but then it said the total was 400. So all the information is there, but depending on like how closely you're looking and things like that, maybe you read the 140 per night and you think it's 140 per night and then but to me, if you're doing the math in your head, 140 per night to make it 280, then you probably are fastidious enough to pay attention to say that it actually says 400 as the total. I've, I found that resort fees are annoying, but like you guys are saying, now that they're disclosed and I can see like the total price, I don't like them, but at least I know before I buy what I'm going to do. It's not like uh, during when they first came out, I would show up at the hotel and then all of a sudden they'd be like, by the way, you owe us $30 per night. So I think it's pretty different. And on Expedia, by the way, I should note that like I was doing a booking for this hotel in Maine for the summer, and they actually over told me what the fees were going to be. So there was no resort fee, but they added on a extra person fee to the room, which I called the hotel and they're like, oh, that extra person fee is only for adults. So I have 
five people in my family, three of them are kids. And they're like, when you get here, it won't be charged. But Expedia's like final price included like it was $200 of extra person fees. And so Expedia like over promised what those fees were going to be. So actually when I show up at the hotel, I'll end up paying less than they said. So I feel like now that OTAs and websites are doing a better job of disclosing, I, they don't bother me as much as they used to, but I do see what you're saying. A lot of people still get really uh, hot and bothered about resort fees. Yeah, I just wonder if they're if they're bothered by the resort fee itself and they're never going to be happy with it or if they are really mad about the disclosure practices cuz again, I mean Expedia to your point, it had the room rate which is the published rate of the hotel but just under it had the final cost and then when you before you submit the booking and book it, it actually breaks everything down again. So on the final screen you're now seeing the rate, the taxes, everything and then again that final cost that you had. I don't know how better you could disclose it. I mean, sure, they could just get rid of the room rate altogether, but, you know, marketing is marketing, right? At some point, they're going to want to to do some marketing. But what, you know, Mark, what do you, I know you were going to say something. I know I talked over you. Sorry about that. But, you know, what, what would problem. you have to say about it? I'll say, like, uh, Doug in the live chat made a good point. Airbnb used to be really bad about this. And I've noticed that even when searching, and I don't stay at Airbnb much, but they'll be like $50 a night. And then when you click through, the final cost is double because of all the taxes and cleaning fees and everything. So I do think just having the the broken down, the per night should include all taxes and fees. I think that would really fix the problem. People would still complain about resort fees because just the, the way it's been built up and the way people have complained about it for years. But when you really look at it, it's just a way for hotels to keep money out of the OTAs, the Expedias, the Orbits, Priceline, their pocket because they don't get a cut of that. So that's why they broke this off so that they can charge if the room's going to be 150 if they charge just 150 without a resort fee they'd have to pay whatever 10% on all of that but by breaking $50 off into a resort fee they're only paying 10% on 100 of that so i'm not going to get upset with uh, about them about securing money for themselves and i think Sean you wrote an article about this a few years ago comparing Vegas to pre-resort fee prices to after resort fee prices and this was years apart and the actual nightly rate had not really changed, even with resort fees figured in. It was just they broke it out differently. So I think it just needs to be upfront where you know what the price is going to be for each night. And then what are you really going to complain about? That's just what the price is. Now, I think it's stupid that they call it a resort fee uh, for places that don't have pools or anything. Like, this is not a resort. So maybe the name plays into why people complain as well. Like, hey, I'm not using the business center. I don't work out. Why am I paying for all this stuff? I don't make local phone calls. So they should just call it like the uh, uh, travel booking uh, fee or something, I guess. Local phone <laughs> calls is the funniest. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when you have to, did we talk Remember about Remember when you used week? to actually make local phone calls though? Yeah. I think we talked about this last <laughs> week. We had to used to pay for long distance calling one town over, but uh, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the reason like I, in the, on the airline side, right, we have laws and rules that kind of force them to do exactly what we're talking about. They have to disclose the final price up front. But airlines have fuel surcharges, which aren't necessarily tied to the cost of fuel and all kinds of stuff, but we don't see it. And I agree with you. I've wrote on the site, like you said, a couple of years ago, the proposal, the, 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 yeah, like I made a proposal, like I can actually pass legislation. I wrote my I, senator. I wrote, <laughs> no, I wrote on the, on the Strongly senator, worded ago, a solution letter. that is exactly that. We, we shouldn't be fighting against resort fees because if you just get rid of resort fees, something else will come up. We really should be fighting for legislation that requires that final price upfront, which includes all fees, taxes, and the rate. 
And uh, I don't you know, know why that hasn't happened. It was, uh, legislation was proposed in 2019 to do that in the House of Representatives. It didn't go anywhere. There's been other legislation to ban resort fees, which hasn't gone anywhere. Multiple attorneys general uh, from the federal level down to the state levels have said that they are illegal in their opinion. Somebody on Twitter told me there's, ne there's never been a court case uh, about it, so I don't know, and I'm not an expert on, on the court side of it, but uh, I, it does seem like you, you nailed the solution on the head, Mark, as far as disclosure. And the other kind of interesting thing for travel hackers is resort fees are actually probably good for us, right? Like we talk about Vegas, we all know how to get Caesars Diamond status, where we're saving those 40 and $50 resort fees. Uh, Hyatt Globalist status everybody's getting right now, well, now you're not paying resort fees at Hyatt Properties. So Except for Marriott, actually, you still get screwed. <laughs> yeah, you get screwed there. But it presents a way for people like us to actually pay less because we find, can find ways to avoid them. And if they didn't exist, the actual rate would be higher. You agree with that, that thinking, Joe, or no? Yeah, I, I think this is a good time to make a reminder. I just had a client who I booked through Expedia to stay at a Wyndham down by Disney. And they were charging a resort fee of $24 a night. And they're not even running their shuttles to the parks right now. So I did this for my client, but you could do this yourself. I just wrote the general manager and I was like, dude, like what, what, what are we paying for here? Local phone calls. I didn't say that, but I should have, um, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> that was, was a good line. Brilliant. Joke. Brilliant. But, <laughs> but, I, but I was like, they're staying down there. They, one of the reasons why they booked this was because they thought they would get transportation to the parks someone i called the front desk and they were like oh it's very clear on our website that that's not running no it's not actually clear at all there's there should be like a gigantic disclaimer so i i wrote the general manager and i was like hey do you mind waiving the resort fee for these guys and he was like yeah sure so it never hurts to ask like we always say here but also to your point sean with status all those kinds of things like even parking fees right like when we do awards days like we can get out of these fees so with the resort fees i do think it's very shady like i said for normal travelers and i think the example richard was using was some like old lady and yeah it's a little bit of a grift but it's not as bad as it used to be and i still think there are other ways they'll get us if we get rid of the resort fees so yeah like charging for many of our items that were never taken but i will say with when with wyndham and i get out of those too <laughs> yeah you can with Wyndham, I don't know if it's the same hotel that you were looking at. We, we booked the one by Disney Springs, which actually was a pretty decent hotel. And I had booked an award night. And Ian Snyder, who writes for the site, had had the same issue at a different Wyndham property where he booked the award night and award uh, resort fees are waived on award nights with Wyndham. And I went to the front desk knowing that they probably were going to try to charge me anyway. So I had the terms on my phone. She says, no, you have to pay this. I said, no, here's the terms of your program. She read it and said... Oh, that's a different night. That's like a free night certificate or something, not an award night. I'm like, no, it specifically says that. So I argued with her for like five minutes. And at this point, are you worth upsetting a guest that could future, you know, come back at a future uh, time over $20 a night or whatever it is? So you ruined my whole experience off of this. And I said, you know what? I'll contact corporate. So I sent them a, a thing on Twitter with the terms. And they said, you know what? We got it. We'll waive it. We'll, we'll, they credited my card like within a day. But it's just that like even when I showed them, they should one, they should know what their program is. And two, when I showed them point blank their program terms, they still fought for them. And I'm like, this is crazy. Over $20. Yeah. And that's a good point that these policies, especially when they're more aggressive about it, it hurts the customer experience. And so uh, there is that side of it. And I'm definitely not an advocate for resort fees. I just think they're here to stay and we might as well 
find a solution that's good for everybody. You know, Julie in our chat talks about destination fees. That's a new one that's coming in a lot of big cities that you see. And it's just a resort fee under a different name. And so if you get rid of resort fees, they'll just charge destination fees or something else. And, and like you said, if you get rid of resort fees, does that actually make overall costs go up? Because let's say that $100 room that they were, you know, $100 room, $50 resort fee, they're only getting charged the fee from Expedia on the $100. But now if they got rid of, if they made a law, no destination resort fees, and they charge the same $150, they're going to lose 10% of that extra 50. So now they're going to have to charge you, you know, 157, 158 to cover, to get, bring back the same amount of money. So are they just going to charge us more money if we, if we fight this versus just make it so that it's disclosed? So I think yeah, you have to worry about that. And then somebody else, JT uh, Genter on Twitter, he said, you know, well, you don't earn points on the on the resort fee. And to my point, well, that's all calculated into the loyalty programs. If they start having to pay more points out, then they're going to recalculate the loyalty program. So it's all a sort of a slippery slope. But I think my point this morning was that we're significantly better off than we were. And, you know, we need to, to keep focusing on, on getting better with, you know, what's the solution uh, to this and... Expedia honestly surprised me at how well they disclosed. I mean, in my opinion, I, it could have been slightly better, Joe. You know, they could have made the total cost bigger than the than the room rate or something like that. So we got some work to do, but it's better than it used to be by far. Glad to, to see that. Let's move on to your application spree, Mark, because you just applied for a bunch of credit cards. Now, you like to do this every couple months. You update people on your last, you know, few applications and how it all went. And this time you had a couple of interesting offers in there. Uh, you tried with Chase Business, Hilton Business. Uh, how did it go? Yeah, it, it was mixed results. I ended up going three for three on this round, and this was done over the last like five or six weeks. Sorry, three for three so is I, mixed I, results. Three, three, three <laughs> and three. Sorry, three, three out of six. Batting five hundreds. Oh, that's Ooh, pretty that's, three and three. That's like, a big difference. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, batting batting at thousands is mixed results for Mark. This guy. Yeah, it's, I'd still be the greatest ever at uh, three out of six, Joe. Still be the greatest ever, five hundred. So we did a couple, and I, and I usually spread it out over a five or six week period, so that the min spending is, you know, staggered a little bit. But you're still getting a, a big influx of points, which everybody knows I need after I cash mine all out. So my wife got the Hilton Business Card, and this was just before the new better offer with the statement credit and the little bit higher came out. So she got that. We've already earned the points on it. I still have to have her call. I'm trying to build up my wife point stash. Never called to see if they'll match, which they probably won't, but they might give her like, here's 10,000 points as a whatever. So she got that. Then I had her try for the ink cash with the, the 75,000 point bonus. She got denied for that. They said they had, she had too much credit and she has seven personal cards. So that's probably an issue. And, and a couple are coming up for renewal that we want to close. So I might try for that again in a few weeks after we close that down and see if it works seven, any better. Just sorry, uh, seven chase personal or seven <clears throat> personal total? Seven chase personal. So that... <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think she is, Joe? That seven total. Hey, I'm coming. You know, I can do one of these in a he's couple coming, months. He's coming. I'm, I'm, I'm coming below 524. So I'm, I got to start. You know, I haven't paid attention to Chase for four years. So now I got to start mentally cataloging these random rules. Okay, seven Chase personal. Got it. Okay. Phew. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, that, that, the new uh, U.S. Bank business card came out with a $500 uh, bonus offer, which I tried both of us for, but I, I knew we were probably going to get denied because they're a little bit more tight. And as well as we both have gotten a business card from them in the last, you know, six to 12 months. So those were both denied. Hers was immediate. Mine was pending and then denied. And the last thing I had her sign up for was the Charles Schwab 
Amex Platinum, and that was so I could do the mass cash out of her points. So that was the rundown, I believe. I might have missed one. I'm not sure. So, Andy, you got the uh, infamous City Thank You Premier card, which, uh, as everybody knows. Uh, oh, yes. How do I forget that one? The, uh... How do I forget that one? <laughs> with the fraud alert. I finally got that one. Okay. So uh, a little update on that. The uh, This is how stupid City is. Stupid. Here we go. Can't stand it. So I tell you guys everything that happened last week. And then a couple days after the podcast, I get fraud alert. When I go to make a purchase, I call. They say, all good. I go to the oil chain shop, go to make a $60 purchase, fraud alert. I call again. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened the last time. It's all good. Then on Friday, I don't make any purchases on Friday. I get a call from City saying, hey, I want to call you about your fraud alerts or whatever. And then I get a second call and I sent them both the voicemail because I didn't know who they were. And the second one, the guy's like, hey, I've been hearing you've had issues with your card. I'm looking into this. I don't know what's going on. You can call me back if you want. So I'm like, okay, maybe he's going to fix it. And I go to Vegas and I'm like, there's definitely not going to work in Vegas. If I can't get it to work at home for an oil change, Vegas is a long shot. So I go through all Vegas and I'm, you know, we go to the Legacy Club and the bill's like $380 from eight people and everybody gives me cash and I put it on my card. Goes through, no problem. All weekend, charging, dinners, breakfast, drinks, whatever. No problem, no problem. Like probably 12 purchases during this time span. Not one issue. Get home. Go to take my car out of the parking garage. Go to pay that $60 bill. Denied. <laughs> I can only use my card in Vegas for obscene <laughs> amounts of money, but not at home for for little things. McDonald's McDonald's and parking, that's out of the question. How many people do you think had to like get a new card and go immediately to Vegas and just start spending money like crazy to, treat, to teach the computers that that's okay, that that's normal behavior? That <laughs> <laughs> just... Flying to Vegas. But, and, to pay, uh, but it can't track that you were in Vegas. You told us you're going to be in Vegas. You told us you were coming home this day. But yeah, when you go to pay for parking in your home city, nope, that's that's no good. At an airport, no less. Yeah. It's definitely a gremlin on that card. Something, uh, it's, it's. I mean, they, they usually have issues, but it just seems like it's an extreme uh, thing there. But it gives you good stories to tell, and uh, I appreciate it for that. Just Plus, I like that they're giving you a hard time. It makes me City's doing it for the podcast, good. Mark. Exactly. <laughs> true, true. So I got to call. I guess I'm going to call that guy. I'm going to try it one more time tomorrow on a small purchase. And if it gets denied, I'm going to call that guy. And then uh, we'll get a story out of that, I'm sure. I'm just I'm going to be so excited to see how he tries to verify me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just ask Oh, yeah. Her. Oh, yeah. On one of the calls, she's like, hey, do you have a business phone number? I can call you on a bit at work and verify you that way. So that was a new one. I was like, how does that make sense? And one, we're all working from home. So no, I do not have a business phone line. <laughs> I wonder if they use phone records. I don't I mean, who knows uh, with City. But You're on can't it, wait sister. For the, uh, update. <laughs> on the, we'll be on the edge of our seat waiting for the uh, update on uh, on that card. And uh, let's move on to the next thing. I, this was an interesting article this week on the site from Zoe, who I think always brings interesting articles from her perspective. And in this case, Joe loves she, himself some Zoe. Yeah, for sure. Ever, yeah, Joe does. He's giving the thumbs up right now. But she wrote The Mysterious World of North Korean Currency and Why It's So Rare. And I knew a little bit about North Korean currency, but not too much. I did know that you can't bring it out of the country. And I always wondered why. And Zoe really couldn't answer that because they don't. nobody really knows exactly why other than there's just a rule not to bring it out of the country. But it got me thinking, you know, what do you guys think about, you know, the North Korean currency? But was there any other like quirky currencies you've come across in your travels? Uh, I know, for instance, with me in Cuba, they have separate currency for 
tourists and locals and the prices of everything are different. And like in North Korea, I believe it's illegal to remove the currency from the country. Joe, any any quirky currencies you've come across? No, not really. I think it was funny. I read this article. I think I mentioned uh, if people are paying attention that I've been watching Korean dramas with my wife and I'm watching Crash Landing on You, which Korean drama fans will know is very famous, but it, a lot of it takes place in North Korea and they're always busting out US dollars. And so I was like, is that for real? So when Zoe wrote her article, I went straight to it. I did a search for USD to see, you know, in the article whether, and she said, sure enough, you know, she says US dollars, Chinese yuan, and the euro, like you can pay for that there if you're a foreigner in North Korea. So it makes me think that, well, not that we're going to be in North Korea anytime soon, but you know, you don't even need this North Korean currency. And it's, it's weird to think about an economy in a country that's kind of shut off from a lot of other countries and the exchange rates and stuff like that. So, you know, I found Zoe's article really fascinating, but personally, I haven't been anywhere where the currency is because like normally like Cuba or other places, like you can just use us dollars. So a lot of these countries that have more rare currencies, uh, the dollar is fine. So, well, maybe not these days, but at least in the past, what about you, Mark? Yeah, I found it interesting that she said basically there was only one marketplace that you go to on these tours or, you know, in most of the country that you have to exchange. And it's the only place tourists can exchange. So you exchange it going into the marketplace and then you exchange it coming back out. And then they do sell like funny money for tourists if you want to take something home. So I don't <laughs> that I found kind of strange, like, hey, we'll print this fake other stuff that looks kind of like our stuff, but isn't. So you can take that home. As far as running into unique currency, I haven't. But one of the more interesting stories that I've written, uh, read on uh, Flyer Talk was about something similar where a guy went to, and I can't remember the country. I read this like years ago. He went to like some random country and he went to a casino, won a little bit of money, and then he woke up late and was in a rush. So he didn't get to hit the uh, currency exchange before he left. So he went home and he tried to exchange it when he got home and nobody would exchange it. So he's like, I guess I have to go back. So he went all the way back to the country just because he had like $400 worth, like 400 US dollars worth in this currency. So he's like, you know, I'm not just going to like burn this. So he went back and then like a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened when he went back. And it, it was such a, a good story. I don't know if I can find it or maybe a listener out there can point us to it on Twitter, tweet at miles to memories or, or at Detroit Mark and, and point us to that so we can share it with everybody. But that was an epic story that I was laughing the whole time. Classic sunk cost fallacy situation right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. Now, I think the, the the crazy thing, like you pointed out, is they do sell the currency uncirculated for tourists to bring home, which I think is the same currency, but it's just not circulated. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Joe, in Cuba, it's kind of interesting because they have two different currencies. One is tied directly to the U.S. dollar, and therefore you can pretty much use U.S. dollars because it's a one-to-one. -one. And then the other currency is for locals, and I don't remember the name of it. But the crazy thing was that some stores would only take the tourist money and some stores would only take the local money. And if you went to a store that had the, that took the local money, the prices were like one tenth of what you did in the, the tourist stores with the tourist money. So it was just crazy to see that, you know, how the system worked and, and, and how quirky it was. And uh, I don't run know it, how you they... run into that. I was gonna say you run into that in Canada sometimes, like some stores will take US dollars or Canadian dollars. And you do the exchange math and you're like, wow, this is a lot cheaper if I just buy it with Canadian money. Because I don't think they, 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 they put in a wide gap there in case for fluctuation purposes. So you really get stuck if you do use the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it's the same thing. You go to Mexico and they want to give you 10 pesos to the dollar. You're like, I don't, or that used to be the case. It's, you know, higher now. But uh, 
Yeah, you never want to do that. You should always try to pay in the currency of the the local place as long as it's yes, it makes sense. Like a, Although if you're somewhere for like a day and you know you're gonna pay a lot of fees, then maybe it doesn't make sense. But uh, I've always found it. That's the nice thing about like currency. the SoFi cards and the Schwab card where they refund. Well, SoFi if you're a OG SoFi, you get refunded. But the Schwab card's great for that where you get your ATM fees refunded anywhere in the world. They don't charge like anything extra for exchange rates. So that's what I do. I don't even bring any money with me. I'll just go to an ATM unless it's a country that doesn't have an ATM. But for most countries, uh, you just go straight to the ATM in the airport, hit it up, pull out your money, and then you're good to go. Rio de Janeiro for the 2016 World Cup. That's what I did. Instant fraud on my card. Or I'm sorry, a day (laughs) later. No, 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 it was real fraud. A day late, like I I did the one in the airport. They had a scammer. and then a yeah. day later, yeah, I, I, someone tried to take out a bunch of money. So be careful. But yeah, I mean, they were they were all set up for the World Cup. I should have what I should have done. What you should do when you're doing that at a foreign airport is hit an ATM before you leave the baggage claim, which was the mistake I made in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, that I was, was a good point. I was younger and uh, more naive then. Uh, the last thing I'll say, it's only tangentially related, but I always think of this and remember this: when you're paying with a credit card overseas. Never pay in U.S. dollars. Always pay in the foreign currency. Yeah, Sim- for sure. Um, corollary to what Sean was saying before. Yeah, that's such a dirty trick where they say, you know, do you want to pay in your home currency? And it does it automatically now. A lot of the credit card readers in foreign countries, and it just seems like every year it gets worse. Like there's more and more stores have this ridiculous thing with these bad exchange rates. And yeah, always have a card that has no annu- uh, no foreign transaction fees and use that card to charge in the local currency, and then you'll get the best exchange rates on the back end uh, from the banks. So yeah, cool article, you know, kind of a nerdy topic talking about money, but that's what we do here on Miles to Memories. We're nerdy, Mark. We're nerds. See, we get mad about resort fees, but they're all these, I mean, this just, it's just the game. People are trying to take our money at every step of the way. So you just kind of got to learn the rules and do your best. For sure. Let's let's move on to rapid fire. Mark, going to have a little bit of an extended one because we decided we're going to talk about your paying for college with credit card rewards. What? Non-rapid fire. (laughs) So yeah, give us your quick update this month on your paying for college with credit card rewards. Yeah. So this month, as we talked a couple of episodes ago, I tried to save $500 a month through using Amex offers, bank bonuses, sign up bonuses on credit cards, or just cashing out points. And then I give you an update of how I did the $500 and then where the actual account is at money-wise. So the balance at the end or at the beginning of last month was $3,750.49. And then the current balance at the beginning of this month after making the $500 deposit was $4,471.22. I don't know why I struggled just reading off those numbers, but I did. So I apologize for that. And the investing gain was $220 this month. It was a pretty good month. And such a small balance. So I'm, I'm happy with that. It was up a little bit higher and then it crashed a little bit and then it came back right at the last couple of days. So it was a good month in that terms. As far as earning the $500, I had $140 in profit from the Amex Lowe's offers, which I just bought Visa gift cards and then uh, liquidated those. So that's after calculating the fees and lo- the liquidation costs and everything. So $140 in profit between the two offers, one for me, one for my wife. Uh, $100 in the spend $500 on a purchase, get $25 back Amex offer. So I paid some big bills and stuff and just knocked $100 off my bills. And then $260 was from cashing out membership rewards with my wife's Charles Schwab card. So that rounded out the rest of the $500. That's it. How about you, Joe? 
Yeah, so my rapid fire is I saw a tweet from the Miles to Memories account that said a firm will launch a new, quote, buy now, pay later, end quote, debit card. And I just could not help myself. I had to write back, you mean a credit card? And then I clicked on it. It was an article by Danny, which means it was like 150 words long. But a firm. <laughs> that was our a... point four article. That was our point <laughs> yeah. four. Yeah. But a firm is launching a debit card that is buy now, pay later. You can like kind of say like for a certain charge that you made that you want to pay later but from what they've announced so far not only does it seem like it's a credit card haha but if you don't pay in time like it just seems like it's going to be even worse than a credit card like interest wise penalty wise etc etc and like people were saying online after my not really that funny joke you're paying it off later but you're not even getting any rewards either so like I don't see anything positive in this right now. We don't have a lot of details yet because they just announced it. But I, I just think it's, I don't know, the concept just seems wild to me. You're going to release a debit card that you can pay later, but you'll charge interest if it's like, it just makes no sense. So yeah, I do wonder like reg regulation wise, how they can call it a debit card because American Express seems to have gotten into some issues with this with the government by calling cards that have pay over time charge cards when once it has pay over time, that has a credit card type of system to it. So you can't really call it a charge card anymore because you are extending it out and you are charging fees if it's late and, and interest and all that. So I don't know how that will work out. It would be interesting, but I mean, maybe they, you know, <laughs> they say they're not going to charge fees and they say that you're going to be able to like spread out your payments with no interest. So it seems like maybe it's kind of like a slate 0% APR type deal, but I don't know. It just sounds really fishy and maybe it'll be as good as it says when it comes out. But right now uh, I'm skeptical plus no reward. So what's the point? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they're calling it a debit card. They're going to give four interest-free payments. So it's not working exactly how a credit card would work in that, uh, you know, it's not a flexible uh, payback. Uh, you have up to four payments, but I, I agree with you. I don't know who the market is for this because I feel like most people are going to get stuck with high fees and the people who wouldn't probably have a credit card. And then what's the point, really? It's the resort fees pretty, market. It's, <laughs> the fees are trying to get us everywhere. I'm guessing it's more like the underbanked or people that can't get a credit card but want to be able to, if they have a car repair bill, that they can split it out like an unexpected bill. Maybe that's the market they're going for. But those are also the people most likely to get hit with fees. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a honey trap for them to, to stick people. On some level, credit cards are all honey trap, right? But it does seem like uh, this is an interesting product anyway. It's different. I mean, we'll, we'll follow it as they bring it to market and uh, let everybody know what we find uh, with it. And I'm just going to close out. American Express added yet another benefit uh, for cardholders starting April 1st, a cell phone insurance benefit, which is actually pretty decent covers your cell phone if it's stolen or damaged, your screen's cracked, they'll uh, reimburse up to two approved claims, $800 per claim, $1,600 per 12-month period. To qualify for that, you need to have your cell phone line listed on the bill that has been paid in the most recent month by an eligible card. So you got to pay with the eligible American Express card, and they're going to look at the bill to make sure the line you're claiming is on that bill. And the Platinum cards are eligible, the Centurion card, Delta Sky Miles Platinum and Reserve cards, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, it's all like the big annual fee ones. Yeah, so I mean, do you guys think, because obviously these cards aren't earning 5X or bonus, you know, for, for cell phones, do you think it's worth 
moving your cell phone to this, these cards in order to get that protection. One interesting thing, like if you are Verizon or whatever, or you get the discount for paying with a debit card or checking account, by switching it to this, you know, you save $10 a month. By switching to this, it's not really free cell phone insurance because you're basically paying $10 a month to have it where you might be able to get it cheaper through the actual uh, cell phone company. So that's something to consider. Uh, I'll probably just stick with the five times because I, I don't want to say what I, I'm going to say, but knocking on wood, I've never broke a phone or lost a phone or anything. So I would have paid hundreds of dollars and lost rewards over the years to take advantage of this. But if you're somebody like Nick at FM that breaks a phone every three days, then you definitely want to get in on it. So I just looked it up to double check. Business Platinum is 5X on phones through June. Like they had that temporary thing. You know, I kind of like something jogged in my memory. So you could do that for like a few months uh, to get that cell phone protection. And so, yeah, I guess your phone would be covered through July. I probably won't switch since a lot of other credit cards have similar insurances. And I, I like the 5X on my ink. But, you know, it's a good thing to have, especially if you don't have an ink and don't have the 5X. And American Express historically has always had pretty good like insurance, like if you have any sort of products, I know that like purchase protections in the past, they were always really good with that. So I, I, I would hope that this is uh, pretty good uh, for people who have it. But certainly it's nice that they added it and uh, you can find all the terms on the website. We'll put a link in the show notes and uh, that's going to do it for this week. Joe, when people aren't listening to this fine podcast, where can they find you? You can find me at As Joe Flies all over social media. If you're looking to book a Disney trip with cash, you can hit me up, josephchung at travelmation.net. I can help you with that or uh, any other, no, mostly Disney stuff, actually. Just not so. Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, no comment. All right, what about you, Mark? Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Email me, mark at milestomemories.com. You can uh, go on the website, milestomemories.com, comment on any of the articles. And I'll get back to you there. Join our Facebook groups, our Patreon groups in there all the time. Can answer questions or, you know, crack jokes back and forth, whatever you want to do. How about you, Sean? Milestonememories.com for an undescript number of articles every week from our fine team of people like Zoe and, and Mark and everybody else. We have like so many cool people uh, sharing their really unique perspectives. And I want to use this opportunity to tell all of them how much I appreciate uh, their, their unique perspectives. Yeah, check out milestomemories.com, mtmpodcast.com for this show. You can find links to subscribe, leave us a great review, or leave us a funny review trashing us either way. And uh, yes, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys uh, next time. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Stay blurry. Okay. I subscribe. You see I that? He's like, I did a video, Joe. I, you know, he's just a little. Hey, I subscribe to MTM Vegas, <laughs> youtube.com slash MTM Vegas. I got it. YouTube.com slash miles to memories. <laughs> yeah. Good subscriber there. Hey, I subscribed, I subscribed once. Nailed I subscribed it. Once. I subscribed once. They send it to me every single time. Well, well is one... it? You want to go, Joe? No, go. All right. And uh, we have uh, the link. Uh, in the show notes and you can find all the terms and there is a $50 deductible. I guess, but... I guess Joe doesn't get to talk. Oh, Joe. I thought, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, sorry, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dang, Joe. Sean. Completely forgot that you were going to say something.